I see some Oakleys right there. What is that? That's a Holbrook? Holbrook XL. With the prism lenses. Let me oh, see yeah. those, please. I love that Holbrook XL. Fits my face better than the regular Holbrook. Those look good? Yeah. Hat backwards good? No, see, you got those blue lenses with that blue hat. It was look really good. it was really going off right there, yeah. Picture. Let me just look in this. Let me get my camera up. And What do you do? You flip the camera? Yeah, you got to straighten your hat a little bit. Straighten the hat a little bit. Oh, man, look oh, at that. Oh, wow. Stuff is dirt. Hey, that's pretty good looking. Mm-hmm. Handsome fella. Got those geese behind us. Prism lenses, ballistic lenses. You wear them fishing? What's the main reason that you wear these lenses fishing? Because you can see the fish in the water. And it works. If, if you've ever not, or if you don't know it yet, yeah. I always, like golfing, I'll look down and be like, oh, look at that fish right there. And, and everybody else that's not wearing the, the prism polarized lenses, they can't see them. Well, it's polarized, the light refraction. The polarized lenses are, you have to have them. If yeah. you're an outdoorsman, you have to have them. UVs, different skies, and waterfowl hunting, turkey hunting, deer hunting, whatever. A lot of people won't wear sunglasses, turkey hunting, obviously, because their eyesight and the reflection. I get that. But I wear them every day in a hunt. Not just to see better. Not just to look cooler. The better you look, the better you feel, the better you feel, the better you perform. Mm-hmm. But to protect my eyes, my yeah. vision. I just got lens extraction surgery last year. I got 2020 and 2015. I don't need prescription sun sunglasses or reading glasses i don't need readers I'm 48 years old i'm not gonna have readers it's pretty much cataracts but oakley's protecting my eyes oakley standard issue oakleysi.com go on and visit them online and check out all of their different shades all of their different models their lenses their technology the merch the backpacks the gloves the shirts the pants the boots it's military it's frontline it's blue line, it's law enforcement, and it's outdoors, it's conservation, it's sustainability. They believe in what we do here at the Foul Life, where the payment ends, the provider. Oakley Eyewear is the official sunglass of everything we do, and I love so many of their different models. They got some new ones I need to show you. I just got a little care package sent to me by my boy Drew. What's up, Drew? Can't wait to see you. Going to see you in Boston this summer. Thank you all for supporting Oakley. Check them out again at oakleysi.com, the official eyewear and sunglass of the foul life. Well, this shirt, I couldn't leave after I saw you play last year. I was like, I really like this girl. I called you a chick, I think. So don't take offense to that. But I I was like, I was like, man, I really like this girl. So I bought like six shirts. I got one for my assistant. I got one for my girlfriend. I got one for my daughter, my girlfriend's daughter. And, um, and then the next night I flew from, uh, I went from Austin. I watched you open for Travis Tritt and Cody jinx. Yeah. And then I went straight to Nashville and I went to losers and some, some singers were out on the back deck there on the VIP deck or whatever they got now. And I was wearing that shirt and I was getting picked. I, I was, I had, I was have this partnership with Jack Daniels and I had a bunch of the Jack Daniels people there. So we were all just taking pictures together and that this shirts and all those pictures. So it was, yes. uh, it was, it was popping in Nashville that night. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for buying merch and spreading yeah. the love. Appreciate you. Yeah, my goal of, of a sing, as a singer would probably be to get my merch lo- lines as long as Cody Jinx's. That is it's the cr- goal. That it's is crazy, the goal. isn't it? Is it yeah. not crazy? It is wild. It is wild. But then I just stand there in line and just start talking to people. <laughs> yeah. Just hop in line with them. Cody to- kind of told me the story that that he was kind of introduced to you through an agent or through a manager after the manager heard you singing or how did it go? Yeah. So I worked at third and Lindsley here in Nashville for about eight years. And, um, the 
promoters and bookers and owners there were so wonderful to me and they'd always put me up wherever they could any slot possible open for travis meadows there mickey guyton um so many paul thorne wonderful people and they put me up to support alex williams back in 2018 and um uh, I told them I'd, I'd uh, play for free because at that point I was like, you put me wherever I'll sing, wherever you ain't got to pay me. And Arthur, um, our manager now, um, was like, well, I can't let you do that and paid me greater than anybody else ever did. And uh, he said that that was his goal was to get musicians paid and we stayed in touch. And after I released my first single in 2019, he reached out and um, yeah, and then we... Uh, been together since there you know, through the pandemic and everything and now we're just getting back going so How cody you... and i have the same manager yeah that's uh that's kind of a I don't know. Cody Jinx is a different kind of career in my opinion just how I, I've seen it do I've seen whiskey Myers do what Cody Cannon and the guys have done there and then what Cody's doing is like it's almost like a different level of country music I, or I mean Texas music like there was Pat Green that was blowing up, blowing up, and him and Corey Morrow were killing it. And and I, there's tons of other artists. I love Hayes Carl, and there's so many great Texas artists. But I don't even know if Hayes is from Texas, but I know that he's considered Texas Texas sure. regular music. But then Pat kind of got out of his lane a little bit. I don't know how to describe it. It was kind of like he pissed off the Texas crowd a little bit by going to Nashville and by putting wave on wave out. And it was almost like he became too commercial to where the Texas audience and that really loyal, whether it was the broken spoke in Austin or, or green hall or Lukenbach, Texas, whatever it was, it almost seemed like they turned on him and he's never been the same since. I don't know. I, I could be wrong on that. Maybe Pat just said, I'm good and I'm done with music, but I don't think yeah. somebody would do that. Cause wave on wave was a huge hit. And then it just seems like, even all, like, all of his Texas stuff never really got momentum again. I, does that sound right to you? I can't say that I know. I know Pat Green and, you know, like I have a songs pop up in my Spotify playlist and stuff, but I can't say that I um, know too much of, of Pat Green's music. I think that was because uh, what at what time frame was he kind of like at his height in Texas? Man, yeah. it's got to be. It was probably like the mid 2000s and then Wave on Wave probably came out and like. I'd have to look it up, oh nine, yeah. ten or something. But yeah, man, he was he had way a ton of momentum in in Texas. It seemed, and I yeah. don't know. I don't know if there's ever been Texas artists besides maybe George Strait and Willie Nelson. Robert Earl Keane's always going to be a god, but um, ZZ Top was huge. But as far as independent artists, I don't mm-hmm. know if I've ever seen a career like Cody Jinks. I don't He's know. He's a have different you... breed for sure. Isn't and... he? legendary 100 percent. yeah i mean everything that they're doing just from i mean the music alone to the way they're like we don't need to fit in a crowd we don't need to be put in a texas or nashville or whatever scene just he's just been he he constantly just says you know like i'm just a bar band like to all of them they're every show just you can see that they're like can't believe we get to be doing this and uh they just always stayed true to them didn't put themselves in a box and um it's really incredible to watch and to see just how they all hold themselves together as a band uh how they are with their crowd and audience people like me they're just uh they're a different breed all around for sure loyal to each other and loyal to people like you loyal to their fans 
so, very loyal to their fans. How, how, tell me how that night, I think, is it called Peanut Browns? Is that the name of that place that we oh, were at? Um, Nutty Brown Amphitheater. Nutty Browns. Not, which isn't there anymore. I know. That was Cody, one of the last shows. Yeah, Cody told me that a couple weeks on the show, and he corrected me, too, because I called it Peanut Browns. Um, <laughs> I guess when I think of Charlie Brown, I think Peanuts, and I just, like, go Peanut Brown, I guess. I don't know. For sure. Nut, sure. Nutty Brown, tell me what's going through your head, Aaron, because you have not just Cody Jinks, who you're going to open for, but you have considerably or arguably one of the goats, in my opinion, of country music and songwriting, guitar playing, vocals, crowd and stage presence like you're, yeah. you're talking about it you're talking about like a quadruple or whatever a five threat would be called with travis tritt like this guy yeah. is a hammer right like do, i know they're going to treat you well i know that i know that you're going to be taken care of as far as like having well-mannered people around you but you got to be nervous as hell opening for a legend and then that legends you, you go you know cody jinx is going to come on after travis tritt right yeah no that was a wild thing i mean at that point in the game, I had never played that big of shows or stages or audiences. That was like a, you're getting a shot kind of thing. And that was a two nighter, um, in Austin. And I mean, to, from, from that point, that show in Austin in 2021, I believe, uh, to even now, every show that I play with them, no matter who, like every single opener, I just kind of walk around going, what is going on? I don't understand. And that was a lot of, uh, Austin for sure. Just you, it's an out of body experience. You're like, I can't believe that I'm here. Uh, just watching Travis Tritt or just stand there in the back. He's an incredible entertainer. Uh, yeah, it was just something I never even thought would happen. Were you on the clip black nights? Were you around for some of those nights also? No, no. I keep telling Cody, I'm like, you should do more with Clint Black and have me with you. <laughs> <laughs> because I kind of like forgot about Clint Black. You know, you don't forget about Clint Black, but you go down rabbit holes every like once in a while. And um, just Cody putting out that song with Ward and Clint uh, had sparked my, my Clint rabbit hole. And I was like, dude, this guy, I've never dove into it like I have now. Just everything, his phrasing, his writing, his musicianship, um, everything Cody has to say about him. So I was like, I would like to shake that man's hand for sure. I couldn't agree more. And you talk, he's like another, I don't know what the word is. Quadruple is four. Is it cinquato? I don't know. Like he's like a five threat, right? Like, yeah. but, but then you mentioned this song. They not only pick a Clint Black song, they pick one of the absolute best country songs written in that, you know, kind of that late eighties, nineties phase of nineties country. Right. Um, no news is, I don't know, like that, that defined Clint Black for me. I know he had killing time and I know that he had tons brand new, or he had tons of great hits, but that song, that was kind of yeah. like the Craig Morgan, um, almost home song to me. If you remember okay. that song, almost home yeah. when Craig Morgan yeah. wrote that, you're right. They're phrasing and the way they're vocal. I mean, they're, the way the lyrics were in those songs was absolutely Next and level. it's like I, I, butter, but you got, and make, they make you listen. They're like, what yeah. did you say there? It, it's, compl- it's complex simplicity, the way that they, they they delivered it. But the way they wrote it was so complex. You're like, I don't think I'm really getting this song. It was almost like a Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm like, I think I understand what's going on in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. But then by the end of it, you're like, I have no idea what I just watched. Just I got to watch it again. Yeah, I got to yeah. watch it again. Yeah. What? 
let me ask you this about music and I know, and you don't, and I, I'm not asking you to be critical or judge, but are there artists like that still that are that quadruple and, and maybe five, five threat person that, that have that complexity and lyrics and that deliver it with such butter and play the guitar like that and have, have that mm. country swag, that steel, that pedal steel, that, that twang there's country music's got I so mean, much that one person, one person. I, being just, able to... I just don't know. Like when you have a conversation about musicians 20 years from now, if I will be going and I'm, and I don't really put Stapleton in a country music box because he's just like, he's like an angel. I don't even know what he is. I don't understand whatever he it. Needs I, to be. Yeah. Whatever it is. Like he's, he's amazing. Yeah. But as far as Nashville goes, I just don't know if we're going to be having conversations 25 years from now, like you and I would be right now. And we still will be 25 years from now about Waylon and Willie and Merle mm -hmm. and Don Williams and, and J Jerry Jeff and people that stood the test of time, people that developed legacies because of those, those tools we're talking about or those elements of their career. I, I just don't, I don't know. Hey. I don't know for sure, but I, and I'm not trying to be judgy, but a lot of it just sure. seems cookie cookie cutter to me. I don't know if that's mean or not, but it just does to me. I mean, there's a lot of that for sure. But, um, you know, when I first moved to town, I was 18 and I had that, uh, uh, you know, screw pop country, you know, attitude and stuff just because I love country music so much. And it's more about people handing people awards with country music on them when let's just have our own genre or something, but there is room for all of it, but you're right. The le people building a legacy like Jerry Jeff Walker and Guy Clark, like we briefly talked about, uh, I mean, Don Williams, he's one of the greatest voices uh, and songs to um, Don Williams, one of the greatest. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, to to be specific i guess about what you're talking about the the people the a person that can do do it all play guitar entertain have the stage presence write the songs all the things can't say i can put my finger on somebody but um you know like i think mike and the moon pies they're an incredible band they're doing it just i could see them building a legacy cody alone like i've told him from the beginning i was like dude you are going to be a legend just your his shows alone um the the shows he puts on but i just got back to nashville so i'm excited to uh see what's going on i haven't been living here since 2020 so i'm just moved back a couple weeks ago where so i'm excited to see where does your life go where, tell me how cleveland ohio becomes <clears throat> i'm not saying there's not country up there because i've hunted in ohio a lot and fished in Ohio a lot. Ohio's country. Ohio's cornfields. Ohio's back mm -hmm. roads. Yeah. Ohio's awesome. But it's also for sure. known for Cleveland. It's known for Cincinnati. It's known for big cities. It's known for sports like big football and teams roll. and baseball teams. Rock and roll hall of fame. Um, where where does the country side of Aaron come in being born in Cleveland, Ohio? Um, I think it's about, you know, so much more than what's around you. The, just the way I was raised, my family, my dad, you know, he hitchhiked across the whole, uh, U S in college, you know, went to, uh, he, we just were a redneck in the best way, shape and form country kind of family guitars sitting around a campfire. You know, we had like a, uh, a summertime trailer at a, at a trailer park. So we'd get out of the city and, um, you know, we were chopping wood and 
hunting when we were eight years old, you know, like we'd just always been raised in that kind of uh, environment as well as the music around us being Jerry Jeff Walker, Sleep at the Wheel, John Denver, Patsy Cline. I mean, that's the music we were raised on. We were raised having guitars around a campfire, just singing Circle Be Unbroken every single time. So I think it's just uh, the people you have around you rather than like the environment you're in or the way of life. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a uh, country. <laughs> so you're, you are country in Ohio. Your dad discovered Jerry Jeff Walker from Cleveland. I think Jerry Jeff, if correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm sure you know more about his career than me. I think he's born in New York. I think I, he was. I don't know. Jerry Jeff's born in New York, I believe. Do you know the story of Bojangles? I can't say I know the story of Bojangles, no. Well, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. makes it a huge hit, and everybody really thought that Sammy Davis Jr., out of the Rat Pack, who was with Dean Martin, Joey Bishop, Frank Sinatra, um, Dean Martin, I think I said Dean Martin, was, you know, Dean Martin's from Ohio. He's from Steubenville, Ohio. Um, oh, no. He's in Ohio. Yeah, and he grew up with my grandpa. I got all kinds of facts for you, Aaron, but I, my grandpa. Give him. My grandpa, Carmen Filippone, who was first generation America from Italy, grew up in Steubenville, Ohio with Dino Crocezzi. And that's how my family ended up in Nevada, where we're from, which initially was Las Vegas. Um, my grandpa would go to these amateur nights in Ohio, Cincinnati, Cleveland, wherever, and watch Dino Crocezzi sing. And he started oh. to get some momentum and he went and said, I'm going to go to Vegas and try this. And that's how he became Dino Martino going to Vegas and meeting Sammy and Frank and, and Joey wow. Bishop. And then he became Dean Martin, which the rest is history is legendary. Um, but Jerry, I believe it's new Orleans. He's, he's on a, he's on a bender. Um, and he's flirting with a waitress at what are those little French cookies or whatever they serve in new Orleans called, you know, those, you know, oh, those little, uh, e not eclairs, but, uh, they got the no, they got the powdered sugar on them. I, there's mm. a name for them uh, that they serve in the French Quarter. Well, Jerry always talked about the French Quarter a lot. If you read his books or if you watch his music or if you hear Django or somebody talk about his dad afterwards, he he they owned a house in the French Quarter, him and Susan oh, did. Okay. Well, anyway, he's hammered and it's like seven in the morning and he decides to get up on a table and, and profess his love for this waitress. And he's up there singing. <laughs> And he gets arrested for drunk in public and disorderly and goes to the drunk tank. And that's where he meets this homeless guy with a dog that is tap dancing and has this little dog. And that dog's name is Bojangles. And he and that's that like that's not all the details, but that's kind of it. And the gist that Jerry meets this homeless guy that's in the drunk tank as well in New Orleans, <laughs> Louisiana, and comes up with the idea for what became one of the most iconic Rat Pat songs of all, in the way that, in the way that. It's incredible in the way Jerry delivered it. You know, J that song was so, so when I when I heard you redo, I believe it was L.A. Freeway or Don't It Make You Want to Dance. I think it was Don't It Make You Want to Dance, Don't at, make you at, dance. at Nutty Browns. I was like, this girl's like this. She's going to save country music like she gets <laughs> it like she and you guys did a great job of that song because Thanks. you don't hear Jerry Jeff in today's country music. You just don't hear you don't hear that influence of what of what those songs meant. And I'm talking like, I mean, if you get the double album, A Man Must Carry On, that is like a genius, genius body of work by Jerry Jeff Walker. Like that is as, that is as good as any Guy Clark or any Willie Nelson. Like that was his like, 
you know, I'm here. It's called A Man yes, Must same. Carry On. And I listen to it at least once a week still to this no day, way. even though Jerry's gone, rest in peace. But yeah, when, when I when I heard your influence was uh, Jerry Jeff, I'm like, I got to meet that girl someday to kind of oh, yeah. see where it started. It sounds like, like for lack of better terms, your dad was like a gypsy at one time, like a vagabond at one time, right? He's, he's traveling and hitchhiking. Oh, traveling uh, across the whole West, across Europe, um, all over the place. Ireland, uh, he's, yeah, he was just a wandering soul. He, then he came home and met my mom and became a Cleveland fireman. And But uh, he's just a young country boy at heart that just likes sitting around a campfire, singing, uh, I mean, yeah, screaming L.A. freeway at the top of our lungs, uh, just. Yeah, one of my favorite ones that he does is a uh, is a coat from the cold. I love that one. My dad sings that a lot. Oh, I love. Do you do you remember the song um, that was later in his career called "The Cape"? I can't say I do. I'm gonna listen look, to it as soon as we get done here. Look that one up uh, when you're done. I mean, I could I could go off on you about. I don't want this to be about Jerry Jeff because I'm. I, we I really... could sit here and talk about Jerry Jeff all day long. That was the hardest hit of everybody was passing away. All those legends. And I came home from work, it's like two, three in the morning, and I saw Jerry Jeff, and I was like, No, no, not the same week as Billy Joe. What are you doing to us? Yeah, same week, and man, I knew that I knew that he wasn't doing good because I had kind of stayed in touch with some of his 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 uh crew a little bit but mm-hmm. um i don't know man i i would go to austin for the jerry jeff birthday bash i was mm-hmm. gonna wear a jerry jeff shirt i got some jerry jeff shirts that would rock you know just all vintage stuff that i got at his shows or at his birthday parties yeah. and you would go down there and it would start on friday night and you go to the broken spoke and that place is like larger than life, but it's tiny. Like, right? Like your head's almost hitting the ceiling. Like George Strait played this when he wrote uh, God and Country Music. He did a little okay. pop-up show. And I can't imagine what seeing George Strait would do in there. But to see Jerry yeah. Jeff in there, that was larger than life. And then night two would always be at the Paramount Theater in Austin. And that one particular year, you know, he was tight with, with uh, Buffett. He brings out Jimmy Buffett. And they sat there. And the thing about Jerry Jeff is that he was a true storyteller, which is missing in country music today. Okay. Like there is mm-hmm. storytelling in country music, whether it was, whether it was, you know, the seventies and the eighties or the highwaymen albums, like every, every guy Clark song is yep. a story or a chapter from a story. And I just think that a lot of that, that is evidently missing in country music today to where I don't feel like I'm being told something or that there's going to be rising action in a climax and then there's going to be falling action. Then there's going to be your hero. And then there's going to be a conclusion and a love life. And, and the horse was tamed and they, and there's, there's just, there's just something about Jerry Jeff, the way that he told a story that was, that was unreal. But to listen to him tell how he came up with these songs, I would be mesmerized. And then on Sunday, it would be bring your own cooler on the bus and you go to Lukenbach and you go over there uh, and he play yes. and he, yes and he play Lukenbach and I was just like oh. so th- so you got to picture this like I'm just this like little I'm a kind of a city boy from Reno Nevada yeah. all I cared about in life was baseball and I'm mesmerized by this guy to where I'm traveling now to see him in all these different areas we got to meet him in Las Vegas he was playing with mm. David Allen Coe during the National Finals rodeo and then we became friends with him and when he do a show in Nevada we got to 
like I, I got to send you, I'll send you some screenshots of pictures of just Jerry Jeff. Like he let us get up on stage during Don't Make You Want to Dance and he's playing this yeah. amphitheater. But the amphitheater is like this old Renaissance or old Shakespearean type of stage where it's got the stairs going up it. He calls us up and he lets us get on there and he lets us sidestep back and forth. Don't make you want to dance. And he's up there. He's up there giving us rabbit ears. And we got all these pictures with him giving us rabbit ears and shit. But he uh, he was uh, I wanted to hit on him today just because he is truly legendary. And if we Mm -hmm. can just keep if we can keep that spark alive of what he meant to your life, my life, your dad's life, your mom's life, like Jerry Jeff touched touched me in so many ways mentally and psychologically in his stories like he's i just don't know if there'll ever be another guy clark because jerry sang a lot of guys songs and i think that their friendship was so strong that the delivery was just it guy loved the way that that jerry delivered a lot of those songs that you hear him sing so anyway i wanted to i wanted to make sure that today on this podcast that you and i like paid homage to who Jerry Jeff Walker was. And again, we could talk to him about hours, but what, what, what do you find? What do you find as far as that, that, that comment I made about storytelling about the writing and, and how important it is to be able to tell a story. Does, does that ring true with you? For sure. And I think that um, maybe like why we don't get it as much this day and age one by um they're not really being songs like that out on the radio or, you know, like songs that are placed uh, where they're placed. So maybe people just aren't hearing them, but anyone that's I feel like it's hard to um, remember to not write for anybody else, but yourself. Like you truly have to constantly kind of remind yourself, like even I'll sit down and write a song and I'm like, I don't care if this is a stupid song. I just need to finish it. And I think it's really hard to get out of a mindset of writing for anybody else but yourself, which is where those story songs come from. And not worrying about what it is you're supposed to write or the stories that people want to hear. Um, Because if you're being honest and just, you know, writing a story from the heart, chances are someone out there is going to connect with it and also feel it. So uh, the more you could just not give a fuck, I think the the better the songs come. How how does your songwriting process go? Is it constant notes on your iPhone? Could be two in the morning and something hits you. You got to oh, write yeah. it down. How how, notes how does galore? Pro- notes galore. So did were you a good were you a good student, Aaron? Hell no. <laughs> not at all. In high school, you not were not a good student. Not even a little bit. No, I just um uh you know, the whole paying attention thing and staying focused on the actual schoolwork. Like I was writing short stories and novels and algebra class and, uh, just, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking, just, I'm, I'm looking on my phone because I'm a note taker too. And I, but I wish I was a songwriter. I think songwriting you can't, I don't know if you can learn it in music school. Like if you go to composition or if you take music classes, I don't know. I guess you could write, you could like learn the foundation of a song. Like for sure. You have your verses and you have your, yeah. your bridge. And like the, and you have the your A, B, the rhymes, the like rhymes are so like, Oh my gosh, Kendall Marvel, Marla Cannon. They're like, uh, just sculptors of that kind of thing. They can write anything and it just flows out, but it's something they know how to do. Like there, there is a formula, there is a way, but, they sh- you know, there shouldn't be any rules, uh, you know, 
And uh, so you could take a class for sure. And anyone could be a songwriter. Chad, you and I could sit down and write a song. You got a good idea and uh, come up with something together. Well, I do have a lot of good ideas, but I think that getting in the room with you or, you know, like I want to, I, I've, I'm honored to say that I become friends with Brent Cobb, who I think is one of the finest songwriters of, of our generation. And I like, I would love to get in the room with him, but he never takes me serious. So it's kind of like, why do I even flirt? Like, flirt that's a tough the, one. <laughs> getting in a room with Brent Cobb. <laughs> but you also mentioned, I do want to be in Nashville the night that CMAs gives Kendall Marvel the songwriter of the year award. He should have already won it. He's amazing. 100% absolute genius and what a great dude um mm-hmm. it's it's funny you bring him up because i listen to the songs that he's written and that's the thing about songwriting that's so neat aaron is that him and brett cobb were on this acoustical tour and it was just they were sharing the stage and if you sat there and they're like all right i'm gonna play another one i wrote and then you're like wait a minute i thought like wait what are you talking about like because nobody really understands now Again, when I was a kid, I didn't understand songwriting. I just thought that Axl Rose was the singer and Slash was the guitar player until I really started studying Appetite for Destruction. I'm like, oh my gosh, Bill Bailey and Saul Hudson wrote all of these songs and those are the real names of Axl Rose and Slash. They wrote all this too. And I'm like, that's the important part. So then like when you start seeing like who wrote all of these songs that these musicians, the songwriting is the key part of this, right? You got to have a deliverer. Don't get me wrong. Cause George Strait made one hell of a living deliver living, delivering Dean Dillon songs. Uh, one of the most genius songwriters of all time. Um, sure. But I, I, I really want people to understand how important songwriters are and and to sit down at kendall's show and go oh my god he wrote that one too wow you wrote that one too it's yeah. really it's yeah. really what where i'm going with this miss aaron is that it's really like a it's almost like being a lineman in the super bowl tom brady gets all the credit and the super bowl mvp trophy mm-hmm. but the linemen are the one that are keeping him free and he buys them all a Maserati after they win the Super Bowl because he knows that if it wasn't for my songwriters, the offensive linemen, I'm getting sacked every play and I don't get to get the MVP trophy. And the yeah. MVP trophy is like George Strait up there going, okay, I'd l- I love to accept this song for the chair, song of the year, single of the year. But Dean Dillon, Dean Dillon wrote that on a bet. Like Gene, He's like, Dean you could probably write a song about that chair and they're in a bar and he got like dared to do it. And he wrote it in like 15 minutes. Really? I didn't know that. He, yeah. Awesome. So like, anyway, you, you kind of know what I'm saying about how important the song 100%. is. 100%. I mean, I'm so glad there's like a fight right now for songwriters to get paid what they deserve because I mean, without them, we'd have no songs to sing. And uh, no, Kendall Marvel definitely deserves a, uh, songwriter of the year trophy he uh every he, it's like that every time i hear a song i don't know i'm like who wrote that and i was like oh of course it was kendall <laughs> of course it was yeah. yeah what a great i i believe that how funny how how like seven degrees is it seven degrees there six degrees right. to kevin bacon was that the game oh, where you could <clears throat> you could like relate everything back to kevin bacon in life if something happened to you there would be six or seven degrees to where you could bring it back Okay. to Kevin Bacon. You got to yeah. look this game up. You got, I, I don't want Miss, Miss Aaron, I don't want you to leave this podcast thinking this guy is like high or something. Like I'm being honest. Like I'm no, but now, it. now it's like six degrees to Kendall Marvel, because I believe when I bought this shirt that Kendall Marvel's daughter was, yep. was selling it. 
or she was my manager at the time. See, uh, look at that. She was sharing me uh, with True Grit, and uh, yeah, she was my friend that helped me release all my music. So I was on the road with Kendall in 2020, the February of 2020. That was my first kind of tour situation. I was in the van with all of them, and I Kendall and Kendall's an incredible guy. And I've got I think two, no, maybe three, no, two songs on this upcoming album with Kendall. Very fortunate to have. When does it drop? Let's talk about this real quick. July 21st. Uh, okay, this this is going to be um, Won't Die This Way, and mm-hmm. it comes out July 21st, and the first single on it is Should Have Known Better, which I've been blowing up. I, I got to tell you, though, like, um, if you do get real big, and I know that you are, and I hope that you are, you can never know. I don't know what it takes to break an artist, yeah. but you have you have to release Cowgirl, um, mm. you have to release that song to the world when people, when more of this massive country we call the United States and this big world knows who you are, that the world deserves to hear that song. That is a gem. So, um, Thank you. I would love for that to be re-released someday when it gets, when it has a little bit of a chance okay. to, to, to get heard by the masses because, and I guess the way people get their music today, they could easily get it you know but right. it's all it's all about that's why i've always had artists like you on the show because i've been fascinated with what makes it and what doesn't make it it's a it's mm. a weird it's a weird deal to me like how in the hell does shine on rainy day not get album of the year how does it not get single of the year how is it not going in the t- the hall of fame for one of the best country songs ever written like when brent cobb put that out that is a song that most of america will never hear because it's already a decade old and yeah. and, and, and to, to when brent sings it i know that leanne womack put it out on an album but when brent sings it, it it's it's one of the most genius deliveries of a song and a lyric that you could ever have and that's what my whole my whole gist of of getting in 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 the fight for like i want real music to be heard and i don't even know if i really have a voice in it i just keep telling myself hey this audience on this podcast is big if 50 people will pick up that record and listen to it and then they tell 50 people and then those 50 people well then one day maybe yeah. maybe it'll work maybe i mean just and maybe you it'll alone work. sitting here telling me that you're listening to the cowgirl and that you love is a song i released years you know what to me is now years ago like that 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 gives me just enough of a little spurt to the all right people are listening like keep on going we got it you know and not alone, just me so. not just me a 12 year old and a little nine-year-old girl oh. who who's infatuated with Miranda heard cowgirl and now they both play it all the time. So that's, that's, that's the power of a song, but it's also the power of keeping an open mind that stuff on the radio is not the end all with Mm -hmm. music and that there are people like you that are out there climbing the rungs of that ladder and Hey, it, it can happen. You just, I, I remember when Lainey was doing what she was doing five years ago and she's yeah. a hard work. She's a hard worker and it's paying off. It's being in the right place at the right time, taking care of people, doing what you say you're going to do. And then all of a sudden, yeah. bam, Aaron's everywhere. But if you, when it does happen, I want cowgirl re-released hopefully on uh so people can hear that or, or at you least be it. doing it li- or at least be doing it live because that's a, yeah. that's a hell of a song. What, Thanks. So let's talk about this record a little bit. Take me, take us through what we can expect a little bit, a little swagger, Hmm. a little, a little, uh, 
a little country blues what 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 can we expect on the album Ooh, um i guess a little bit of everything a little bit of heartache a little bit of dancing a little bit of making wrong decisions reflecting on wrong decisions um i hope something everyone everyone can take a little bit from and uh have some feel-good songs have some uh I, I like that I can't really put myself in a box. I don't know where I fit. I hope that it's a, you know, I want to be a, I love country music. So I want to be a country singer, entertainer. So I hope that uh, people love the way that, that we that we created it and enjoy it. But uh, yeah, I, I think you can expect a little bit of everything on it. Will there be vinyl? There will be vinyl. It is available for pre-order. Okay, if I order one today, uh, uh, maybe you'll personalize it for it because I have a really, really strong personalized vinyl collection. We can make that happen. I see. I'm that. gonna, I'm gonna really need that for the I'll collection. Write it down. I, I have every single Cody Jinx album vinyl uh, personalized. I'm not a groupie, so don't be smiling nope. and laughing at me, Miss Aaron. I am a oh, lover. I'm honored. <laughs> I, I am a. I have albums. Okay, look, I keep bringing up songwriters and another one that is literally, I don't know if you know Chris Knight. Please tell me you know Chris Knight. Please. Um, he has actually been trickling into my my world. I'm a, I'm a new Chris Knight uh, listener, but I'm just starting to trickle into it. He's a Kentucky give me, boy. Give me some good songs to listen to. You want me to give you, like, yeah. um, I'm just, I'll give you. Have give me you, like your have top you, three. Have you heard his probably biggest song that that probably made him on? Just go get the 1999 album, self-entitled Chris Knight, and listen to Framed and the way he wrote Framed. And then, okay. when, and then if you do ever get a wild hair up your you-know-what, go listen to his podcast. He's done my podcast many, many times, and he tells the story of how he wrote Framed. And I'm like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, that's how I wrote it. And I'm like... There's just no way that you got that story out of a bar fight in a bouncer. And he's like, yep, I was in a bar and I saw a fight and this bouncer's breaking it up. And the bouncer was this. And I'm like, that song has nothing to do with a bar fight. And he's like, I know that's how I wrote it though. And I'm like, wow. You never know dude. what's going to spark something. <laughs> you never, ever know. Um, yeah. But that one, and it ain't easy being me on that album and love in a 45 I'm going to keep going for you. Give me a second. Um, Enough Rope is the song that when his concert's over, people walk up to him and ask him why he wrote a song about suicide. And he's like, that song has nothing to do with suicide. And when you listen to it, you're going to be mind blown of the lyric. Enough Rope. And I'm going to give you one more. Let me just pick. Let me just pick one because I want to. I want. I don't want to. God, his newest album, he has a, he has a, um, he's got a duet with, with Leanne Womack. And I met Leanne Ooh. Womack, not before I said Martine, but Leanne Womack is the one that put out Brent Cobb, Shine On Rainy Day. Yeah. But he's got one called Send It On Down. Aaron, do me a favor. Oh, and te- I love Send It On Down. <clears throat> okay. I the second verse one. of that, the second verse yeah. of that, when he's in the, the football bleachers drinking a fifth yeah. of whiskey and he can hear the good people singing. Yeah. I mean, that's genius, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that is one of those songs you're like, what are you talking about? But I guess it really doesn't matter because yeah. send it on down, whatever it is we're he, doing. Just he, he's, so, he's so drunk and so partied out from his life that he's still sitting in the bleachers on a Sunday morning from his weekend bender. And all he can write is that he hears the good people singing in the church down the street like that. Mm. When, but he, obviously he words it. Yeah. A little bit. Obviously, That's he words a, it a little song. bit different. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't believe you've heard and Leanne that. Leanne just, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I used to watch, like, the YouTube video landed on repeat. It's just so mesmerizing. The story of that is that Frank, who owns Carnival in Nashville, is married to Leanne. Okay. Frank, Frank produced Chris's first record when Chris first moved it. Frank's the one that got Chris Knight to move from Kentucky to Nashville. Okay. And they've stayed lifelong friends because Frank believed him and Chris couldn't play the game. Chris was like the Jamie Johnson of that time. He was just like, I see. I, I ain't living in that city. I ain't, yeah. I'm, I'm going back to my single I'm wide. playing this game. Okay, this is the song that that makes me cry. And I, I learned this song because Brent Cobb, who opened for Chris a couple times, he said when he heard this in concert, it made him cry. And it's called Rural Route. Okay. Rural Route. That's the ones I'm giving you to study on Chris Knight. Like this th is so great. I've got is, boxes and boxes to unbox today. So we're going down a Chris Knight album rabbit hole. Being in the backyard, being at camp, being with friends and family. I think one thing that the pandemic did is it got us back in our backyards. It got us staying home more. And man, we just started doing so many cookouts, so much grilling. And we've been partnered with Traeger Grills for the last decade. And I don't know if you can be more innovative than what this brand has done from the new Timberline XL and the new Flat Rock, the Ironwood 885, all of their pellets, their rubs, their sauces, their glazes, their smash burger kit, you name it. Traeger Grills is awesome. And we use them a ton. I'm sure you've seen it on the Foul Life. You've seen it in our social media. But get creative. Be innovative. Think outside of the box. Wild game, domestic, vegetables, desserts, pizzas. You can do it all on a Traeger grill. And like I mentioned, that Timberline XL with that conduction plate, I'm talking high heat, reverse sear steaks, anything you want to put on there gets it done in a hurry after you put a little smoke on them on the grill, transfers right over, easy as, I mean, just so easy. Everything is simplified. You can download the Traeger Grills app. You can find recipes. You can work with pros like Matt Pittman at Meat Church and Chad Ward at Whiskey Bent Barbecue and so many others from across the country to master these recipes. It's simple and that's what Traeger is all about. They did not want your backyard experience to be complex. So when you're thinking of fun and good food and flavor recipes, thinking outside the box, think no further than Traeger Grills, the official grill of the Foul Life podcast and the Foul Life television. I can't wait to get back in my Traeger Grill and uh, just cook up something delicious. Thank you all very much. Hey, we're back in Nashville. Oh, man, I wish. <laughs> I wish I was at the Nashville Palace right now in the big room or the little room up front. I just wish I was walking down the hallways to the restroom and looking at all the pictures. Randy Travis got his start here. He was a busboy at the Nashville Palace. John C. Hobbs started the Palace many decades ago. And look where it is today. The strongest, strongest positioning in Music Valley. It's right there in the heart of Music Valley. 
and so many country music stars have graced their stage and continue to grace their stage from the Daryl Singletary, Sing, Singletary benefit to the Keith Whitley benefit. I saw Lori Morgan on stage this year with Daryl Worley. Saw Hannah Dasher up there. I've seen John Party up there and Leith Lawton and Drake White, Adam Hood and Brent Cobb, Hayes Carl. I've seen so many unbelievable singer-songwriters in the Nashville Palace, not to mention their food, their menu, their generosity, giving back to the outdoors, conservation, their dedication to excellence, their neighboring partner in the scoreboard. It's such a great experience. So when you're in Nashville, it's not just about Broadway and Lower Broadway and Bridgestone Arena. Those places are unbelievable. That's undeniable. I love being on Lower Broadway. And by when you're down there, you can visit other Hobbs properties like bootleggers, Doc Holidays, Whiskey Bent. We throw our annual NWTF party every February at the Whiskey Bent upstairs. Invite only. I hope you all make that invite list. But thank you so much to the Nashville Palace for being a staple and giving back to Music City USA by all of the up-and-coming artists that you allow to grace your front room stage, your back room stage, all the benefits and memorials that you throw. We couldn't be more honored to be partnered with the Nashville Palace. So next time you're in Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee, make sure you stop in and visit the Nashville Palace. Well, I think it's kind of cool because uh, Chris is a big Cody fan. Cody's a big Chris fan. Um, and I think that if you talk to a lot of musicians that, that, that have been in Nashville for a minute, a lot of them do give him credit, um, as one of the greatest songwriters. And just, yeah. I, I'm glad just text me after you, please text me after you, gonna... after you listen to enough rope and rural route. And you're going to be like, okay, he's down on the road, shooting holes in a can with his 22 <laughs> and it's, it's going to be your life. It's going to, you're going to be like, that's my it. life. That's my life. Yeah. Anyway, um, just, just, you know, that, that I don't know where we were even going when I brought up Chris Knight, but (laughs) that, that song is so powerful that, that even if it hasn't broke yet, even if that artist hasn't broke, because Chris never really broke, Chris has been underground his whole career. And I just think that this music deserves to be heard by the masses. So that's what I'm going to end my little soapbox about. Like, that's what I wanted to have these artists on this podcast for, because if we could put one of their songs on our TV show and one person goes, who's singing that song? They want, you know, that might turn into them loving that artist and going and digging up their, their, their history. I mean, we need you. We need you. We need people like you and alone spreading the love to other people, just sitting and having a conversation, knowing that somebody like you appreciates it as much as you do and like how much it touches your life and uh, brings you so much joy. Like that's, that's way up there alone. Just knowing that people are enjoying and bringing joy to people's lives, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's what music was invented for. I mean, all the way going back to the Bible is, is kind of like why music is in our lives. Right. I mean, why do we have music and what is, what, what is wrong with somebody that doesn't listen to music? Cause I've met people like that. I'm like, well, you don't listen to music. Nah, man, I'm, I'm a podcast guy. I'm, I, I, I don't, there are people that don't listen to That's music. True. They got to have a, a screw loose or a, a I a, feel so very sad <laughs> for them right there. You're like, you're really just, you're just, you're all there up there, huh? You're just letting it go. Yeah, how, how, the whole time. All right. How do you go through life without music? I mean, music is how do you watch a basketball game without hearing ACDC, you know, Thunderstruck or or go to a football right. stadium and not hear Welcome to the Jungle when the team runs out? I mean, yep. mu- music is is the is the soundtrack to our all of our lives yep. in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I've been in Italy and hear Andrea Bocelli sing opera, and I'm like, I want to smash grapes and make homemade wine listening to Andrea Bocelli sometimes because opera, 100%. Just, opera just hits different. It just, yeah. it just hits. I want, That's awesome. I want all my friends to come to my backyard and watch me fill up this 70 quart cooler with Everclear and seven up and juice and watermelon pieces and, and grapes. Yeah, sign me up and I, but send the, send the invite. I will be there. Have you ever, have you ready. ever done that? Aaron, have you ever, I have, have you ever not. just taken Jerry Jeff Walker sangria wine and listened to it and followed the recipe? No, I'm not, going not a, to today. My whole college <laughs> career, every weekend, we would follow the recipe of Jerry Jeff Walker sangria yes. wine, and then sit mm-hmm. there, and then. But that's back when we had metabolisms and could drink all of that high sugar content stuff and still feel good the next day. But, uh-huh. but I'm telling you, like that's what my life revolved around. Was like I'm gonna just listen to sangria wine. And get a little That's bit so high great. on this on this sangria wine song by Jerry Jeff Walker, and follow yep. and follow yep. the recipe to a T. And he spells it out for you in the song. I'm I know exactly what I'm doing with my entire day, Jeff. <laughs> I'm listening to Chris Knight and sangria wine and making whatever Jerry Jeff Walker tells me to do. You can do it. You can do. Uh, that's what. You, <laughs> that's that's what music has done to me of putting me in that place of like. It's an mm-hmm. out. This is going to sound like a, a conspiracy theory, but it's an outer body experience because when I hear a certain song, it takes me out of reality. Yes, and that's 100%. what that's what music's supposed to do. I'm with you. I live sound. I live with headphones and everything. I have to have music going at all times. And I love if I wasn't a if I wasn't a singer songwriter, what I wanted to be was the person that places songs on soundtracks i love setting my sister we love setting vibes we love getting the lighting right playing the right music to whatever the the feelings that's happening whatever whatever you're doing it's just it's it's so great i mean i couldn't agree with you more it's a soundtrack to life it it is the soundtrack to life and it it brings you whether you're a nine-year-old girl like when i watch this little girl named tater listen to (laughs) cow she was born on four she was born on Thanksgiving and the first food she ever ate as a kid was the year when she was one years old her first food was sweet taters and then it just kept oh kind of goodness. maturing from that um yeah but when you watch her sing in the back of a car and you're mm-hmm. driving across the country or you're driving from it doesn't matter she's not yeah. she's not in real time she's yeah. she's that's how that's what I I look at that and there's a song in that about like that's how adults are supposed to be. Why can't we do that anymore? Why mm-hmm. do we get so bogged down that we can't live through those eyes anymore that we used to, to where none of, you know, obviously life happens and you got to pay bills. I get it. Right. But man, yeah. if we could discipline ourselves to let that song take us out of reality for a minute, then mm-hmm. you don't. And I'm not saying I don't care about alcohol. I don't care about consumption. I don't care about marijuana. I don't care. But music, sure. music can be a drug in itself. Oh yeah. Music can get you higher than a kite, man. And you don't even, mm-hmm. you don't even know what's happening. You just know that you love the way you feel at that point. Yeah. Which is yeah. another, I know exactly what song I got to put on to cry. I know exactly what song I got to put on to raise my spirits. I know exactly what song I got to put on to get shit done. It's, it's an incredible thing. I love that. I love, I love our ability to 
to get outside of it, to understand like these songs take us to a place that, that, that will just take our mind off of something for us for a minute. And that's the power. That's the power of songwriting. Yeah. I think you're going to like the next single that comes out. Um, It's called cheap paradise. And there's a line in the second verse that it's about just making the most of what you have and, you know, creating your own cheap paradise. And it says, uh, now I forget my own lyrics, but uh, turn the whole world down and the music up loud. And that's a cheap paradise alone. That's all you got to do just to escape just for three minutes. Three minutes. Turn on the right song. Three. It, it, it can it can take you from, I guess, for lack of better terms, zero to hero in a heartbeat. You don't feel like working out that day. All day. day. You, you don't yeah. feel like working out that day. You just you just play the certain song for me. Like if you take the Offspring with some of their early music and and you play Offspring for me, I'm just like, that's punk rock. That's like I wish. Sometimes I wish I was a a professional skateboarder. When I was a kid, I thought, man, I'm yeah. gonna be the next Tony Hawk. And I would put on punk music and I would be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just shut it out just because it wasn't the norm. You know, I would, I would, I would give it a little bit. And then, and then that kind of went into discovering like Ronnie James Dio and what Dio meant to me as a kid and like getting in trouble from my parents are like, what are you listening to? Like, that's not normal. You know, like they knew I listened to like Twisted Sister, you know, I want to rock. But then all of a sudden I'm listening to this guy named Ronnie James Dio, who was the front man for rainbow and the front man for black Sabbath after Ozzy at one time. And then he's got his own band called Dio and he's singing songs like rainbow in the dark and last in line and Holy diver. And you're like, I am, I I do believe in God, but this guy is like singing stuff and I would get in trouble for hearing it, but I never like, Mm. I try not to shut out anything, Aaron, because I was always mystified by where it took me. Just where it took mm-hmm. me. That's it. Like where that song took hey. me. That's what I. That's what I keyed in on. As a great antidote for life in general, I like that. It is. It's. 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 It's so important to. And and then you parlay that into being able to have conversations about how people come up with the lyric. That's everything mm-hmm. to me. That's that's hearing how people come up with the lyric. I think that's why songwriter rounds are so cool to go to where you live, right? Yeah. There's Mm -hmm. not another city in America except maybe the Sunset Strip back in the day that you would find Mm -hmm. so many songwriter rounds. If you spend one week in Nashville, Tennessee, you could find the song. You could go learn about where it came from. You could listen to the person that wrote it. That's so neat to Mm -hmm. me. Do you do do a lot of rounds? I used to when I first moved here. Like I said, I just got back. So um, I've got... Uh, our go-to bar on Music Row called Bobby's Idol Hour. Wonderful bar if you've never been to it. It's a songwriter's haven, a uh, place for anybody that wants to be a songwriter, just enjoy the music. It's uh, There's a guitar hanging on the wall. Deal is it comes down, everybody sings one, goes in a circle. Um, so I'll do some r- rounds there when I'm uh, lucky enough to be asked to be a part of them. But I hope I, I get to get back into that now that I'm here in town. Have you ever heard of a singer-songwriter in Nashville named Leith Lofton? I have not. I need to maybe introduce you to Leith if you're going to be living in Nashville. He's yeah, absolutely amazing. He he can write. Leith Leith Lofton. L e i t h like Keith, but with an L. Keith. Oh, nice. Okay. He's cool. he's. Have a, you heard of Leith Lofton? Got it. Have I heard of who? Um, a songwriter named Brianne Young. I don't think so. 
No, then I will I will song swap with you and send some send me some Leith and I'll send you some Brianne. Yeah, I'll send you Leith. Leith is a he's a um, Jerry Reed accidentally made love to Guy Clark and they had this baby named Leith Lawton. Oh well, hell yeah! But he's also he's also got Bo Cephas in him. He's which is the greatest of all time in my opinion. It, we don't even want yeah. to go down that rabbit hole of Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> um, but then he's got some Waylon in him. He's got a little Don Williams in him. He's got, he, he's got, he's just a, he's a badass. And it pisses me off that he doesn't care. I'm just like, what do you mean? Like, this shit is genius. Like, let's do it. And he's just like, nah, Hoss, if it was meant to be, it's meant to be. And he's like this Mississippi country boy and he's the sweetest man on earth. And, yeah. and he, he, he wrote with Pinson for a while. He was doing some stuff there. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to, they will him and Bobby Pinson wrote this song together called wingman. That's freaking, okay. that's awesome. We, we play it on our duck hunting show, um, quite a bit because we have, you know, we call our dogs, our wingman, you know, our, our, our duck dog. Nice. So yeah, yeah. We'll song swap a little bit on, on Leith Lawton. So what, el- what else, Please. this, what, what this song, what song is going to make me dance on the new album? Mm, probably straight down the barrel. That's gonna that's gonna bring out some boogie, and um, uh, who taught you how to love is a nice little uh, surprise of a of a vibe change on the album. Uh, got some Congos in there. Might make you shake a little bit, but um, yeah, it's uh, I'm very very excited to release it. It's uh, it'll be going on a year come July, so. Excited to get it out. All right. I can't wait to hear Cheap Paradise. The one that's really got my interest, though, is Letters to Waylon. Is this is mm. this reality? Like, did you really sit down and write, like, what if I could write a letter to Waylon? Or what is this song about? Just a little bit. That's one of those songs I was probably, like, 20, 21. And um, <laughs> it's one of those ones that just came out in just 20 minutes. And I guess the song itself was a letter to Waylon. I was... Uh, I think having maybe just a, a hard time with my boyfriend at the time, and we're we're both big Waylon lovers, you know, all the country music. And I was listening to Rainy Day Woman came on, and I was like, oh, you know, Aaron, maybe you need to like just chill a little bit, like just don't be so upset. And then uh, right after that, Good Hearted Woman came on about just kind of. I was like, well, wait a minute. No, <laughs> you good hearted woman love with a good time. And man, I wonder if she's a rainy day woman. You know, you just kind of put those songs together. I was like, hmm, Waylon was around. We'd have a little talk. So that's just how I connected those two. And it, and it, uh, and it just came, came out as a little letter. Oh, rainy day woman. Mm-hmm. Never seem to see me for the good times. I can't remember it. Or the bad time. Yes, you have been a friend of mine. Rainy day. I can't remember how it goes. Yeah. No, I, that was it. That was it. And, uh, but it was just, yeah, like I, I was just having a feeling of, you know, like, do, you know, do I only see it for the bad times and stuff? It's like at the time, whatever it was we were going through, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. But, uh, it was just a, a little moment of well, thanks a lot, Waylon. <laughs> if um, if you had to, if you, if I asked you this question, I don't know, I don't, I don't know you very well, Aaron. But and we could talk about anything, I'm sure. But and this is, I'm just going off whim. I don't even know if you do partake in any supplements. But do you? How often do you write sober? Hmm. 
I guess it depends on the day. I can't say that I have a, um, do you write sober quite a bit? Um, yeah, I'd say so. It, it, gosh, it's different every day. It depends if we're sitting down doing a zoom, right. In the middle of the day, or we, you know, am I late at night with my best friend, you know, after a night of drinking and we have a great song. So I'd say it's, you know, there's no, um, I couldn't even, I couldn't even find you a percentage of just, you know, songs come when they come. I, I've always wondered of like what, you know, a little bit of getting, getting lit or being high, how much on more honest you are and how much more, um, what's that word you're, uh, God, I was, when you're vulnerable, you got more vulnerability. You're mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know. Like I, yeah. I, I, I guess it's like a wall of ego down a little bit. Yeah. I just think that like when I'm a little higher, I share more with people. So I'm wondering if I would be, a uh, if I've never done drugs, but I love to drink Jack Daniels. And I think that if I had a couple shots of Jack Daniels in me, that I'd be a better yeah. songwriter than I would be sober. But I don't know if that's, I don't know if, I mean, like, I don't know if Keith Richards has ever written a song without being high. Uh-huh. I don't, like I know that like the Guns and Roses guys had to be hiring a kite back in the day when they were writing yeah. because you hear the stories like, man, they were always, they were just partying. It was that lifestyle. Right. So I just thinking personally, like, could I write a song sober or is more truth going to come out when I'm a little bit more vulnerable and have my ego down yeah. if I got a little buzz going on? Yeah. I mean, you know, they say uh, create, stoned or drunk or whatever uh and edit sober so i think that if, yeah i think there's certain people that yeah it'll help you break a wall down and just maybe be also a little bit more like loose with your thoughts um i i guess i find if i have a beer or something you know it's almost like a placebo effect of uh um especially when co-writing you know if you have a an idea and sometimes you're like, no, that's stupid. I don't even want to say it out loud. But I guess maybe if you're having a drink or two or something, a little less uh, fucks given, you just kind of easier to say out loud whatever's in your mind because uh, you should let it all out, even if it's a dumb idea. You know, you never know where that dumb idea is going to take you. But I'd say I do a little more uh, more editing sober to answer your question. And That makes total sense. Yeah. That goes for everything in life. <laughs> right exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, you look at your phone the day after a high and you look at all those pictures that you sent the night before you're like i probably should have edited some of these pictures before i sent them last night <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i was just looking at a couple i was like oh man <laughs> yeah i probably should have got a, a sobered up a minute before i hit send on some of these nah it depends who you're sending it to <laughs> i guess it does huh yeah yeah I, guess, I, I think that cloud gets them all though, Miss Aaron. Oh, the cloud is a scary place. Isn't it? The cloud's very scary. I thought clouds yeah. were supposed to be good. I know. I am a I do love to cloud watch, but that, that one is a confusing one. When I was talking about Brent Cobb, did you know the song I was referring to, Shine on Rainy Day? I didn't. I wrote it down here in my notes. I'm still that- on my I'm not looking for validation. I just want your opinion after you hear him. I just want you to text me real yeah. quick. Like, wow. Like, yes or no, you're way off on that one. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, but oh, I will. What's your favorite JJW song? Ooh. Um, that, is, that is a tough one. I really love little bird. I have to say little bird. Um, 
I mean, and and getting by. I love getting by. Mm. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I believe it's Jerry Jeff with Ray Wiley Hubbard, who don't love uh, up against the wall redneck mother. I also love Ray Wiley Hubbard telling the story of uh, that song as well. So I'd have to say, yeah, Little Bird and getting by and up against the wall redneck mother but that's all we had going like our christmas album was jerry jeff walker uh, in the house growing up i think it was the the just the great gonza album i mean that that cd got war it was just constantly wore out huh? Uh, it was just that was the album that was going it was either jerry jeff uh, or asleep at the wheel and that's what was going in the background constantly the uh, whole whole uh, childhood <laughs> I forget that whole Gonzo album. I, the cover of it, when I'd see it, I'd get in a good mood. Yeah. Dang it. I got it. I wish it's so, so good. If you ever play in Reno, I got to bring you to the studio and we'll do one yes. of these live. But I want to show you my JJW collection of just like going, you know, I would love that. Just how obsessed I got with them. But there's a song on that album I, I, I mentioned called A Man Must Carry On. It's called Derby Day. And okay right down if you've never heard derby day that is one to where you're just like i think he's confessing his love for susan in it i think that's mm -hmm. what the song's about but it's about a horse in the in the in the kentucky derby and the horse's name i think it's about derby day and there's these horses and again it's this song that you're like how what how what are you writing about like what does this mean and you just keep listening to it <laughs> And it's just, yeah. it's just beautiful. It just hits you in a way of like, man, that must be what it feels like to be in love ultimately, like to, mm. to, to have that. And what a way, what a way to be able to possess or express your love. Yeah. Then through song, right? By song. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very, a beautiful gift. To, it's gotta to be like, somebody. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. I was, um, I was excited. I, I wanted to go to the 50th anniversary of, um, the Jerry Jeff album this year they're having at Lukenbach uh, but it's my little sister's due date my first niece or nephew will be born oh, on August 18th so I have to miss it but you should go and let me know how it is I will I'll, I'll call I'll FaceTime you from there and you'll be in the delivery yes. room and I'll be in the I'll I'll be a little bit high a little bit a little I love bit, it I, I think that I think that Lukenbach does that to you like that place is iconic Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, you heard, you heard on it, like growing up and listening to let's go to Luke in Bach, Texas. Like, Oh yeah. I sing that in my set. Um, all these shows I've been doing, we actually recorded it. It was almost going to be on the album, but I think we're going to trickle it out later on. Yeah. When he gets to that third verse and they change it from what Waylon said. And then what Willie says of Jerry Jeff's train songs and Newberry's playing songs. And when he says that, I'm just like, Oh, he said, Jerry Jeff. Yeah. He said, Jerry yeah. Jeff. I love Jerry Jeff. That's how I, every time I listen to Luke and Bach, I would wait. I couldn't wait for it to get to that third verse to hear Jerry Jeff mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so great. We went um, a couple of times, actually right after we played the Austin show with Travis Tritt and Cody, um, I went to Lukenbach with my parents and they had a wonderful just songwriters round, just, just a jam going on. And we asked the guy that clearly is there all day, every day. And we're like, do you get tired of hearing Lukenbach when people do it? You know, like all this time, I'm sure 
people singing it all day. He's like, no. He's like, I think that everybody should stop and take their hat off when Luke and Bach is being played at Luke and Bach. I'm like, that makes me so happy to hear that you feel that way. Yeah. I'm sure that's exactly how everybody feels when they're in Luke and Bach and they hear that song. And I've yet to see a show in the dance hall, um, but I, I really look forward to seeing or playing a show in the dance hall of Luke and Bach. Have you been to Green? I have not seen a show there. I've passed, I've walked past the building, um, but it is, on, it is on the list for sure. Yeah, you have to do it. You have to. Um, Who's your favorite person you've seen play there? Jerry Jeff. Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> I'd say Green Hall, though, probably maybe Brent Cobb. Please don't think I'm infatuated. He's, I just think that he's a. Have you heard of Brent Cobb? Absolutely. I can't say I've gone down a deep Brent Cobb rabbit hole, but all the songs that I have heard, I absolutely enjoy and love. Have you heard Digging Holes? I have not heard Digging Holes. I like the, uh, I like Keep Them On Their Toes. I like that song a lot. Great album. Uh, Go listen Digging to Holes. Digging, hole, a, digging yeah. Holes is on the Shine On Rainy Day album. And it's, uh, it's another song that you have to be able to think on another level to be able to to write a song that is that easy to understand of like I ought to be working in a coal mine and he's talking about all these jobs that require you to dig holes but in reality he's talking about I messed up my whole life and lost her because I just dig myself into a hole all the time where they're like mm. like it's crazy to, to see how it comes full circle and then and then the last verse all of a sudden he's working in a graveyard and where else do you dig holes Damn. the bad holes than working in a graveyard and then he's like I'm better off a ghost and you're just like holy shit Woof. holy shit that's hell yeah I'm better I, I I'm, I'm better off a ghost and it's just he it's just it's it's next level next level songwriting to where I know, I know that Cody, Cody's a big fan. And I know that, that, uh, you know, Adam hood, who's Brett Cobb's best friend yeah. had the title track on the misery album. He wrote misery with Cody mm-hmm. and, um, yes. yes, and Adam hood is playing a deal for me next week. And I cannot oh, wait. Nice. I cannot wait to listen to him just sit there and pick the guitar and tell his stories about how that's another artist that you're just like, damn, the world should know about these songs. Mm-hmm. The world should hear these yeah, songs. He's so good. Yeah, I got to meet him last year at a Cody show. He got up and, and sang Mercy with Cody, and uh, I I look forward to hopefully getting to know him more. Yeah, he's a good dude. Well, yeah. I really appreciate coming on. I hope this is the first of many I could talk. As you can see, I'm I like to talk, Aaron. I love it. I learned so many things today. I I cannot wait to. I got homework. You see this? Hey. I am, oh. Those, Don't mind my stickers that just fell out. <laughs> <laughs> I I absolutely love the songs I told you about today, and I think that I don't know. I just I think that that's what I'm what I'm going to enjoy when I get to be 60, 70, 80 years old is still going back and listening to the soundtrack of my life. And when you come into my studio, um, I have part of it that is my life in movies and cinema, and my life in music, and. Yeah. my life in athletics and my life in this like I try to I, one day my goal is to have like a mini museum of of this 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 path I took that led me to yeah. 
why do you have that Jerry Jeff album on the wall? And why do you have that Run DMC Raising Hill album? And it's because when I heard Steven Tyler singing on that raps, you know, they did Walk This Way on this rap album and you get into how Rick Rubin put all this stuff together and the Beastie Boys were hitting with their debut album at the same time. I'm in sixth grade. I'm dating myself a little bit, but I'm watching all this stuff go down of New York hip hop mixing with Boston rock and roll and Aerosmith. And that was like, wow, that can't get any cooler. So like I have, I have these albums that, that I have, I have so many different albums up there that people are like, why would you, why would you have that album on your wall? And I'm just like, it was part of my life. I just went down that rabbit hole for a minute and you, so great. they walk into my bathroom. And they're like, you haven't best of Eddie rabbit and a best of Don Williams. And I'm like, my dad would have, my dad would be playing all these Eddie rabbit songs that people today that are coming up probably don't even know who Eddie rabbit was. Cause he died so young. And then my dad would be playing all of these Don Williams songs. And, and then, and to hear him talking about, Wolfman Jack and having that radio in his head and good old boys like me and Tulsa time. And if you, my favorite Don Williams song of all time is if you see Burt Reynolds, would you shake his hand for me? Tell him I've seen all his movies and it's about losing a girl to Hollywood. And like, I, I I just, I I would listen to those songs and it kind of just shaped who I was. So anyway, when I hear cowgirl, it's going to be in that wall someday, a signed album Uh, by Aaron. And I I, I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, I want a Chad soundtrack playlist, uh, a Chad's Life soundtrack. I have the Foul Life. Yeah. If you go onto Apple Music or Spotify, F O W L, the name of my TV show, The Foul Life. And it's, okay. uh, I, I need to get your permission, but a guy in Nashville helps me run it. Um, his name's Ben Ratliff, nice. and he, he's, he actually is on the road with uh, Brantley Gilbert right now, but he helps me. Um, get the artists that I want on my, on the, on the tracks. So most of the songs you hear on that playlist are the ones that we work with on our show too. Uh, okay. You know, cool. so if you hear like Brent Cobb song on that, it's probably b- because he was in duck camp with us and, and we played a song that he wrote because it, it, it hit me in a way of like, I want this Brent Cobb song player. Yeah. I want this like Drake white, you know, hunts with us a bunch and Drake's got a lot of killer songs. So you'll hear some of Drake white on there. You'll hear Leith Lofton on there. You'll hear lots of Cody jinx, some Travis Tritt. Like when Travis Hell came yeah. onto this podcast, I was just like, Holy shit. I get to talk to, I get to talk yeah. to the man. He's, he's an amazing storyteller. So, yeah, but that's where we're at. We said it awesome. I, like Howard Stern says, and I'm not really, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I at one time wanted to be the next Howard Stern, but, uh, We've said it all. You've said it all is what Howard always says. Aaron, you've said it all. Oh, we've said it all. We've said it all. I appreciate you so much for having me and asking me to be here with you. I hope to get to meet you in person and see you at a show. Well, I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be in your town, uh, starting next Sunday and I will text you just to see what your, uh, I'll see what yours. Are you doing anything during fan fest at all? Are you doing any gigs in town at all? I actually don't know what FanFest is. <laughs> FanFest is like the uh, the biggest party in Nashville. It's the first week of June every year. And like every artist uh. is in town and they fill Nissan Stadium on the night, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, the bigger, you know, the headliners are there. But Ooh. their stage is set up everywhere in Nashville and, and there's gigs all day, every day. Oh shit! No way. You know I don't do too well with big crowds these days, but I'll tell you what: I'll meet you for for a beer at Bobby's if yeah. you're around. Or Layla's, yeah, but yeah, Broadway's tough. <laughs> or Layla's, Roberts. Yeah, I, I like Roberts. Mm-hmm. I like those places. 
Yeah. It's going to be my but definitely bo- check out Bobby's Idol Hour. I think you'd, uh, you especially would, uh, would appreciate and love it very much. I'm going to go there. We'll meet there. I'll, I'll text yeah. you. I'll text you when I'm done with Jack Daniels. I'll be in Lynchburg for the first couple days and then I'll be back up in Nashville and I'll text you. Right on. I love it. Look forward to it, Chad. We'll have a beer and listen to, uh, LA freeway. And, um, yes. And, uh, on that album, a man must carry on. There's a song on there called rodeo rodeo cowboy. And it's yeah. freaking awesome. How badass Cherry Jeff was with the freaking rodeo back in the day. We're going to listen to the whole album. I'm serious. You'll, you'll do your, you'll I change your too. life. It will me change too. your life. That double album will change your life. I can't wait. I can't wait. Oh yeah. Chad. Well, I'm going to text you as soon as I listen to these songs, please do it. <laughs> y'all, All right, man. Y'all, have a good day. Talk you have a great day. Y'all go check out Aaron's music. You're going to be hearing her more and more on our playlist. We're going to be bringing her more onto the show. I love uh, what she's doing. I love her songwriting. And um, thank you, Cody Jinx, for making the introduction. Cody Jinx, man, if you guys want to get into his music, yeah. if you haven't yet, go find it. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Again, brought to you by the one and only Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey. Enjoy it responsibly. Never, ever allow underage drinking. Jack Daniels, thank you so much for believing in us. In the meantime, we're going to go out. Can we go out with one of your songs today? Usually we go out with Leith Loft and mm-hmm. What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone that he wrote with Drake White. But today, can we go out with Cowgirl? I would love that. We're going out with Cowgirl by the lovely Miss Aaron. You guys are going to love this song. Get it in your ears. Talk to you soon. Thank you all for the subscriptions and downloads. We'll be back at you with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Any day of the week You make me weak at the knees But I could stay in the saddle And I can rope and ride All it takes to keep a cowboy In his place Think you're big and tough But where would you be without my love? I wanna be Wanna be your cowgirl Darling, let me be The sunset in your
care good 